The Bradford Exchange presents The Classic Radio Theater with your host, Carl Amari. Countdown for blast off. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Welcome, everyone, to episode 52 of the Classic Radio Theater. Each week, the Bradford Exchange and participating sponsors bring you three hours of the classic radio theater featuring programming from the golden age of radio. This time, we'll hear two Western episodes of The Six Shooter, starring James Stewart. We'll begin after this short break. Six Shooter was one of radio's best Western series, but unfortunately, it came too late in radio's dramatic life to have any longevity. The hero, Britt Ponsett, was a slow-talking, easy-going maverick, but dangerous when pushed into a gunfight. The epigraph set the tone. The man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl. Its handle, unmarked. People call them both the six-shooter. James Stewart was perfect as the gentleman cowboy who roamed the western plains and blundered into other people's troubles. The six-shooter was easily one of radio's best westerns alongside Gunsmoke and Have Gun Will Travel. Despite Stewart's great star power, the show was largely sustained. The Liggett and Myers Tobacco Company, makers of Chesterfield, was interested in sponsoring the show, but Stewart declined not wanting a cigarette company to tarnish his largely wholesome screen image. The Six Shooter ran on radio from 1953 until 1954 and did not make a transition to television. Time now for the first of two Western episodes of The Six Shooter starring James Stewart. In this first story, Gabe Starbuck may be getting too old to continue as sheriff. The town thinks the job should go to a younger man. Here's Gabriel Starbuck on The Six Shooter, from November 22nd, 1953. In just a moment, you'll hear James Stewart as The Six Shooter, just one of the many great stars brought to you Sundays on NBC. Every Sunday, hear Hume Cronin and Jessica Tandy in The Marriage, Sir Lawrence Olivier on Theatre Royal, Lawrence Tibbet with the Golden Voices, Helen Hayes, Frederick March, Rex Harrison, and Lily Palmer on the NBC Star Playhouse. All of them heard only on NBC. James Stewart as the Six Shooter. The man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl, its handle unmarked. People call them both the six-shooter. 
The NBC Radio Network presents James Stewart as The Six Shooter, a transcribed series of radio dramas based on the life of Britt Ponsett, the Texas plainsman who wandered through the Western territories, leaving behind a trail of still-remembered legends. For short enough for you. Well, give me the mirror so as I can take a look. Uh, there you are. Well? Don't look to me like you cut it at all. Oh, now, Al. It's still there, ain't it? Hanging down the back of my neck. Well, I figured you'd want to be in style. Fellows in just the other day, come from Kansas City. Said that's the way all Easterners are having a haircut. Well, I ain't no Easterner, and I don't aim to be spending a quarter every week for a shave and a haircut, so start slicing it off. Okay, okay. We need to get the head up. Oh, sorry, Breezy. I, I reckon I ain't feeling enough to snuff today. I can't say as I blame you. I heard about the town meeting last night. Yeah. You uh, told him yet? I don't see why everybody's in such a rush all of a sudden. They waited 40 years. A couple more hours ain't going to make no difference. You're uh, going to do it today then, huh? Yeah, I'm going to do it today. Mm, poor old Gabe. Wonder how he'll take it. I'm sure glad it ain't me that has to break the news. Stop talking about it, Breezy, and finish my hair. Well, Gabe's a sensible man. He's not gonna hold it again, you Alf. Seeing as how the, the whole town's agreed. Well, the whole town don't know him like I do. That was here when he first come to Yellowcrest. I don't know if it wasn't for Gabe Starbuck, there wouldn't be Howdy, anybody. mister. Oh, you're next. It'll be a couple of minutes. Dodge City Papers there if you'd like to read it while you're waiting. Thank you. Hi. Britt. Now oh, you sit still. Britt Ponsett. Huh? Don't you remember me, Britt? Why, uh, I... Alf? Alf Crandall? Alf? Alf Crandall? Oh. Oh, sure, I remember you. Well, what happened to your beard? Uh, Breezy here shaved it off three years ago. Oh, he did? <laughs> yeah. A couple of the boys paid him to do it while I was asleep in the chair. Is that so? I ain't never forgiven you for that, Breezy. You could have grown it back, Al. Well, it wouldn't have been the same. It took me 25 years to get that stand of whiskers. Besides, once Maddie seen me without him, <laughs> folks do say I look younger. Well, you look so young, I hardly recognize you. That's... Well, what about you, Britt? How's the world been treating you? Oh, first rate, first rate. Yeah, just hit town. Yeah, yeah. I've been out on the Square Moon Ranch last month or so. I ran into a flock of sheep yesterday, and they gave me such a brotherly look, I decided it's high time I get a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> Be right pleased to take care of you, Mr. Ponsett. <laughs> yeah, there. That ought to be short enough, Al. Well, feels like you got some of it off anyhow. Uh, just let me give you a little brush. All right, there you go. Oh, thanks. Sit right down, Mr. Bronson. Well, what'll it be? Shave and a haircut? Ah, uh, haircut'll do it. Well, you might as well have a shave, too, as long as you're here. I got the kettle on, the towels will be real hot. Why, you won't even feel the razor. No, no, I don't think no I No matter how good a man is at shaving himself, it's not the same as having a barber do it. Oh, now, you no, take no. having a horse shod. You don't do that yourself unless it's no, an emergency. No, oh. You go to an expert. That's well, sir, right, it seems to me right. a man's face ought to be as important as his horse. Yes, it I, seems I, to me that right. when a fellow wants to get a... <laughs> all right, Brady, I... you can give me a shave, too. <laughs> yes, sir, Mr. Ponzi, yes, sir. I'll just trim some of this hair off while the water's warming up. You gonna be around town for a spell, Britt? 
Uh, just overnight, Alf. I'm due back to Square Moon tomorrow. Well, I'd sure like to stay and chew the fat, but, uh, I'm due over to Gabe's Starbucks office. Oh, say, how is he? Hmm? Gabe. Gee, I haven't seen higher than the tail of him in must be over four years. Oh, that's, uh, that's right. You and him used to be real good friends, didn't oh, you? Oh, he sure did. It was Gabe Starbuck gave me my first pony. Well, as a matter of fact, he's, he's aging, Brett. He's aging fast. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. He, he, he's not down sick, is no, he? No, no. No, Gabe wouldn't let himself get down no matter how he felt. Uh-huh. What's he up to nowadays? Same as ever. Well, you you mean he's still sheriff? Yeah, he's, he's still sheriff. At least he is today. Oh? Truth is, we had a meeting just last night. Decided the town's got to have a new sheriff. And that's what I'm going over to talk to Gabe about now. Uh-huh. You don't want it too short, do you, Mr. Ponsett? Fellow was in from Kansas City the other day. Says back there folks ain't cutting their hair so short anymore. Well, he you, says it, you better uh, trim it pretty close, Breezy. I may not be in a barbershop again for quite some time. Uh, whatever you say. It appears to me people around here don't want to be in style. Nobody wants to get rid of old Gabe, Britt. But the town's changed. Well, we got near 700 people living here now. That many? Yeah, there's a new bank, too. Maybe you saw it. Yes, I did, yes. Not doing very good, though. Folks are afraid their money will be safe. Oh, we haven't had any robberies, not for quite a spell. As long as Gabe's sheriff, well, there's not much he could do to stop an outlaw if one did happen to come our way. You know, old Gabe being so old and all. Mm-hmm, yeah. Doggone it, Britt. We all realize that we owe him an awful lot. Cleaned up Yellowcrest. Made it possible for decent people to live here. Of course, that was 40 years ago. Things are a lot different now. We, uh... We gotta have us a new sheriff, that's all. Mm-hmm. Does Gabe know you're planning on replacing him? No, no, we ain't told him yet, but... Can't put it off much longer. I see, it's Gonna hurt him pretty bad, isn't it? Well, how would you feel if it was your place, he... You give your life to a town, your whole life. And they say, we're, we're sorry, but we got to put you out to pasture. You're too old. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe maybe if he was to have a deputy. Well, we talked about that. Town ain't rich enough to afford two salaries. Mm-hmm. Well, Gabe's got a good, sensible head on his shoulders. That's what I said, Mr. Ponsett. That's just what I said. He probably won't like the idea of losing his job, not at first, but... He'll he'll see that you don't have much choice in the thing. Now, you just lean back. That's better. And be sure and tell me if this towel's too hot. Mm. 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 A little warm? Mm. I guess I can stand it. Real glad you don't think we're being too hard on Gabe, Britt. Mm. Say, that gives me an idea. Mm. Well, uh, seeing as how you understand the predicament we're in, uh, about Gabe, I mean... Maybe you wouldn't mind sort of preparing him? No, 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 wait, wait, just a minute, Alf. I, 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 oh, I now, your old friend, you said so yourself. It, it'll be different having the news come from you. No, it's none of my concern. Uh, here's another towel, Mr. Ponsett. Now, just lean back. You're going to be seeing him anyway, Brett. Now, all you have to do is kind of lead the conversation around to him retiring, you know. 
laid the foundation, and, and then later on, when everything's getting... I won't do it now. I won't do it now. You're just wasting your breath. You just... How in thunder am I going to get this lather on, Mr. Ponson, if you keep moving around like I'm that? I'm only asking you to talk to Gabe because, well, I'm apt to say the wrong thing. You know me, Brett, always putting my foot in my mouth. Yeah, now, still. Uh, now, Al, I tell you, you're you're not going to put... Oh, your own fault, Mr. Ponson. I told you to keep quiet. Please, he's right. Just, just sort of take it easy, Brett, while I sort of explain what I had in mind, and then if you still aren't willing... Well, between the shaving and the hot towels and Al harping at me, well, I... Not that I agreed to tell Gabe that Tom was getting a new sheriff. I, I didn't agree to that, mind you, but... All I said was that I, I'd sort of feel him out and see how the land was lying. Anyway, about 20 minutes later, I was coming along the boardwalk heading for Gabe's office. Huh. Well, it sure sounded like shooting to me. When I looked around, nobody seemed to be paying any attention. What's that? Uh, the fellows arguing politics over the post office steps. They didn't even stop to take a breath. And the ladies in Johnson's Mercantile, they went right on measuring yardage like they hadn't even heard it. Well, I was pretty sure where it was coming from now. I was right behind the sheriff's office. Now, I opened the front door. No sign of Gabe. No sign of anybody, for that matter. And oh, oh, then I saw him. Right through the back window. And I saw why folks hadn't been very upset about the gunfire. Gabe was having himself a little target practice out there. Aiming at a tin can sitting on a pile of lumber. It had just been four years since I'd seen him last, but oh, he looked good ten years older. Smaller, too. He kind of shrunk and bent over with thin yellow-gray hair and long, bony arms that didn't seem to have much meat on them. Yeah, he sure wasn't having much luck hitting that tin can, either. Hello, Gabe. Hmm? Who... No, it's Brett. Brett Ponson. Well, I'll be doggone. Well, it's sure good to see you. Yeah, for a second there, I didn't recognize you. Your son got my eyes. I blinded me, son. Sure. Uh, how are you, Gabe? Well, never better. Never felt better in my life. Glad to hear it. Well, I... <laughs> I was just, um... Just doing a little shooting. Yeah, yeah, I saw you. Well, not that I need any practice, you understand, Brett. I... I was worried about one of my guns. I, I think he throws a little to the left. I say. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's why I missed my last shot. Uh, uh, <clears throat> I guess you saw me miss it. Oh, well, well, a man can't hit anything if his gun's not working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's go inside where we can sit down and have us a talk. Fine, fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're looking good, Brett. Real good. Oh, well, a little older, maybe. Well, I guess that happens to all of us, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Man's only as old as he feels. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just take that chair, Britt, over there. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I'll sit by the window here, where I can keep an eye out on the street. Yeah, yeah I uh, I was kind of surprised to hear that you're still sheriff, Gabe. Huh. Don't see why I should have surprised you. Well, you know, oh, you, you, you must be getting along, Gabe. Well, I'm 64, Britt. 64 this spring. Now, uh... Now, uh, Gabe. Well, 
Might be 65. The family never kept no records. But I ain't no, no older than that. Uh, no. Don't look no older. No, no. Do I? Oh, no. No, no. Huh. You, uh, you still living alone? Well, of course I am still living alone. You think I need a keeper or something? Oh, no. I, I was just wondering if you ever got a hold of that ranch you used to talk about. That's all. You remember? Ranch? Yeah, don't you remember that? When I was a kid, you always said someday you're going to have a ranch. After you'd retired from being sheriff, of course. Oh, oh, I still aim to do it. When the time comes, of course, there ain't no sense in thinking about it now. Oh. Oh, no. Yellowcrest is growing, but growing fast. That's when the town needs law and order the most. When it's busting its britches. And seeing as how I'm the only experienced lawman in these parts, well, it's my duty to stay on the job. I owe it to the folks here. Why, if I was even to think about retiring, well, they just wouldn't know what to do. They'd be plumb helpless. Well, I ain't got no choice, Britt. You know how it is. Sure, sure, Gabe. I, uh... Yeah, I, I know. We'll return to James Stewart as the six-shooter in just a moment. The winter brings extra hazards to the motorist and the pedestrian. Longer hours of darkness, poor visibility caused by snow, rain and fog, and slippery streets call for extra caution. The National Safety Council urges that for safety, every motorist should always adjust speed to road and weather conditions. Keep the windshield clear. Never slam on your brakes if the road is wet or slippery. Pump them slowly to slow down or stop. Use tire chains on snow and ice. And keep a safe distance between your car and the one ahead. Guard against that one accident that might take your life or ruin it. Now... Act Two of The Six Shooter, starring James Stewart as Britt Ponsett. We had a long talk, Gabe and me, sitting there in the office watching the wagons creak along outside the window. I guess we've about covered everything folks we'd known old times. The only thing we didn't discuss was Gabe's retiring from sheriff. Anyhow, after I left him, I had supper and took a little stroll. Oh, it must have been about nine o'clock when I got settled down for the night in my room in the Parker Hotel. The bed was real comfortable, a lot softer than those bunks out of Square Moon Ranch. Maybe that's why I had so much trouble dropping off to sleep. Yeah. Yeah, who is it? Alec Crandall. You sleep, Britt? Oh, no, no. Come on in, Al. Oh, come on in. I'll just get this lamp turned up. Here. There we are. I didn't mean to wake you. Ned Parker told me you only turned in a few minutes ago. Yeah, I'll pull up the chair. Thanks. You know, I was looking for you this evening after supper. Well, I went for a walk. Oh? You were right, Alf. The yellow crest sure has changed. That's a fine new church going up there by the creek. Yeah, 
Well, what I wanted to find out a bit was uh, whether you talked to new buildings over south, too. Mighty fancy houses. Some of them look like they're going to be two stories high. Brains. Yeah? How'd he take it? Why, uh, how'd he take what? Uh, oh, you mean Gabe? Well, who else would I mean? Well? Well, I didn't tell him, Alf. <gasps> I told you I couldn't do it. I, well, when I, I, I just couldn't do it. I don't blame you, Britt. I shouldn't have asked you in the first place. It was my job. I did kind of hint around once or twice, but I could see what it did to him. I just, just the idea of not being sheriff anymore. It's, it's all he's got, Alf. He doesn't have a family and kids to worry about. Gave to the sheriff a yellow crest, and if he ever stops being the sheriff, he, he won't be anything. I know, Britt. I know, but what can we... What, what's that? The alarm bell. Must be a fire, I reckon. There's Mark Fawcett running down the street there. He'll know. Dog on his window. Stuck tighter. Mark! Mark, up here, Mark! What are they ringing the bell for? Somebody robbed the bank! The bank? We're meeting over at the sheriff's office. Well, I guess it was bound to happen sooner or later, Brett. Yeah. Hand me my pants, will you? was still ringing when Alf and I rode up to Gabe's office. Everybody in town was heard of by now. There were 10 or 12 men standing around the streets, others coming up from all directions. Gabe was standing right by his horse, right in the middle of things, taking charge. Well, there wasn't much I doubt about it. Old. He was still I sheriff of Yellowcrest. Hey, you boys know Britt Ponson, don't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what happened, Gabe? Well, it was just an accident. I seen him. An accident, pure and simple. They was riding out of the alley from behind the bank, giving the horses a spur. Couldn't get a look at their faces, but the way they was riding, that made me suspicious. Uh-huh. So I thought maybe I ought to see if everything was all right at the bank. Went around to check. Back door was broke open, wide open. People are scattered around inside. Uh, Jim Waterby's over there now, trying to find out how much they took. Did you try to follow them, the outlaws? Well, they was gone before I knew they was outlaws. Uh, before I knew for certain, that is. Uh, but, uh... I seen which way they're headed. East. Oh, oh, east. Oh, that don't make sense, Gabe. They'd have to cross the salt flats if they went east. Sure there was. That's the way they went. Right toward the flats. Well, you must have been a seeing things. Man to be a fool to strike out that way. <laughs> 200 miles without a water hole. Oh, I bet they turned off, went up in them hills. Well, I'm the one who seen them, ain't I? Yeah. $2,500, Gabe. That's what they stole. Oh, that's so, Jim. Sure sack of gold and a sack of currency. Yeah. 2,500, as close as I can figure it. Well, boys, let's see if we can pick up the trail. Easy, Rusty, easy. They'll determine to chase him out onto them flats. Yeah, we want to catch him, don't we? Uh, If we do, we've got to use our heads, Gabe. Men smart enough to rob that bank ain't going to take a chance on dying out there in that salt. They'd go for the hills. Mark is right, Gabe. You tell me I can't believe my own eyes. Well, it was pretty dark. Maybe you got confused. Maybe it looked like they was heading east. Now we're only wasting time arguing with him. Let's go. I'm the sheriff of Yellowcrest. I'm running this posse, ain't I? Gabe, we're uh, we're riding toward the ridge. All right. Come on, Rusty. Come on. Hey, Gabe. Hey, Gabe. Uh, you can't stop him, Brett. When he gets his mind set, nobody can stop him. 
I guess this just proves we was right about Gabe. He ain't up to the job of being sheriff no more. Yeah, I guess you're right, sure. Okay, boys, I'll lead the way. Yeah. Hey, come on. This no, you've got enough man without me. Search yourself. Yeah. I watched them winding along toward the rise of the purple hills west of town. After a couple of minutes, the night swallowed them up and the hoofbeats trickled off into silence. All right, Scar, come on. Turn Scar East. It wasn't like Gabe to be stubborn about something as important as a bank robbery. Oh, I'll grant you, it didn't seem very sensible for a couple of bandits to take off across the salt flats. And Gabe's eyesight wasn't what it had been once, of course, but I just couldn't believe he'd, he'd be dead wrong. And Scar threw up his head when the smell of salt hit his nose. He sure didn't like the idea of walking out into it. Easy, boy. Easy now. Easy now. We're not going very far. Come on. Come on now. Nothing but white as far as you could see. Stretched out taunt like a cavalry blanket. White salt picking up the moonlight and bouncing along ahead of us. The funny thing, though, there, there was only one set of hoof prints out there in the flats. Well, about ten minutes later, I spotted Gabe. Oh, boy. Oh, oh boy. He wasn't riding very fast, so I slowed up. I figured it was just as well Gabe didn't see me. I, I didn't want him to think that I'd tagged along because I was worried about him, you know. And then the darndest thing happened. He swung his horse around and started backtracking. Here, boy, here, boy, come on. I eased Scar over behind a couple of gray boulders so we'd be out of sight, and Gabe came right toward us. At first, I thought he knew where we were. Then he turned his horse again and walked him out in the saw. For a couple of minutes, I couldn't figure out what he was up to. It seemed to me like he was just wandering around, no purpose at all. And then the next thing that happened, it was even stranger yet. Gabe jerked his gun out of his holster and he began firing. And he wasn't aiming at anything. He, as far as I could see, he was just shooting up into the sky. Yeah, he left off two or three more shots and wheeled around and galloped past me on, on his way back to town. And I saw him reach in his saddlebags and bring out a couple of cloth sacks and hook them over his saddle horn. They were the kind of sacks banks used for carrying money. Hmm. Well, there just wasn't any doubt about it now. The story of that bank robbery was something Gabe had made up out of whole cloth. Oh, oh somebody had broken into the bank, all right. Well, it wasn't an outlaw, though. It was Gabe. Well, I, I waited on oh, maybe 15 minutes, and then I, I heard the alarm bell start off again. The posse would pull up in front of Gabe's office. The bell must have brought him out of the hills. Gabe was handing the cloth sacks to Jim Waterby. I pulled up just in time to hear the tail end of what he was saying. I ain't sure I hit him, you understand. This gun of mine's been thrown a bit to the left lately. But when I started shooting, they dropped these here bags and went galloping off. By the time I stopped to pick up the money, I reckon that's what's in them. Well, them outlaws was just plumb out of sight. Yes, sir. I figure there wasn't much need of chasing them no further. Like as not, they'll never make it cross the salt anyway. Now you did right, Gabe. Yeah. And it looks like it's all here. Every cent. Hey, Britt. Britt, you hear what happened? Gabe caught up with the bandits, shot it out with them, and brung back what they stole. 
Did he? Yeah. Uh, that don't seem possible. I'm having a head start now. Well, you know Rusty when I give him his head. Well, maybe the bandits was lost. Maybe they didn't know about them flats. Yeah, I reckon they didn't. I reckon that's it. Uh, if they knew where the bank was, they'd know about that salt. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, what are you getting at, Mark? I don't know. There's something funny about this. There's two of them, you said, huh? That's right. Two of them against you? Well, what's so funny about that? When is the time I shot it out with more than two men? Let's ride out there, boys, and have a look around. Well, whatever you say, Mark. Sure. Uh, 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 hold on a minute. I think maybe I can save you a trip. Huh? Uh, yeah, the, the fact is, I was following Gabe. Yeah, I, I followed him right out onto the flats. What? Oh, I, I know you didn't see me, Gabe. I was behind you, but I could see you just plain as day. <laughs> now, Britt, you got to let me... You up. mean you've seen the gunfight, too? Did listen you? to me, Britt. Listen to me. Or was he telling the truth, Britt? Yeah, that's right, wasn't he? Well, I'll tell you one thing. I never saw a fight like that before, not in my whole life. Yeah. What about the bandits, Britt? You get a chance to recognize them? No, 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 I'm afraid I didn't. You didn't stick around, eh? Once Gabe started shooting? No, no, I, uh... Well, as a matter of fact, when Gabe was through shooting, well, it was like they hadn't even been there. No. I'll be, I'll be darned. Mm-hmm. That's... That's what it was, all right. Just... Like they hadn't been there at all. I don't know how Gabe had found out that the town was talking about having a new sheriff. I guess he sort of sensed it, the way folks have been acting. Of course, after this, this holdup, well, they figured out maybe they could afford giving him a deputy. Jim Waterby, that, that's the banker. He put up part of the money, and then they, they didn't have much trouble raising the rest. I had a little talk with Gabe just before I left town. We, we didn't mention that night out on the flats, neither one of us. We, uh, but he, he did give me his word that the next time there's any trouble, well, he, he'd, uh, he'd let his deputy do a good share of the taking care of it. But the, the way things worked out, though, there haven't been any more robbers in Yellow Crest. Not one single solitary robbery. They, they say it's because of Sheriff Gabe. Outlaws just don't want to tangle with him. They all must have heard about what happened that time a couple of them tried to hold up the Yellow Crest Bank. I wonder if you really know how much good you're doing every time you buy Christmas seals. Well, let me tell you something. Something I think will amaze you. It's simply this. Over six million lives have been saved in the fight against tuberculosis since the first Christmas seal was sold. In other words, what you actually buy when you buy Christmas seals is priceless protection for yourself, your family, and your community. So, please answer your Christmas seal letter today. The Six Shooter is an NBC Radio Network production in association with Review Productions. It is based on a character created by Frank Burke, and the transcribed story is written by him. Mr. Stewart may currently be seen in the Universal International picture, The Glenn Miller Story. Others in the cast were Herb Bygren, John Stevenson, Lamont Johnson, Dal McKinnon, 
and Old Gabe was played by Bill Johnstone. Special music for this program was by Basil Adlam, and the entire production is under the direction of Jack Johnstone. All characters and incidents were fictitious, and any resemblance to actual characters or incidents is purely coincidental. And now, from all of us who each week bring you the six-shooter, a special salute to NBC-affiliated station WGBF Evansville, Indiana, on the occasion of their 30th anniversary. Happy anniversary, WGBF, and best wishes to all of your listeners. This is Hal Gibney speaking. Tonight, hear Lily Palmer and Rex Harrison in the NBC Star Playhouse on the NBC Radio Network. That's The Six Shooter with Gabriel Starbuck, starring James Stewart, from November 22, 1953. Also in the cast, Herb Vigrin, John Stevenson, William Johnstone, Lamont Johnson, and Dal McKinnon, with Hal Gibney announcing, as heard over NBC. All of the classic radio shows we present on this series are direct from the master recordings. I have more than 100,000 original radio episodes under license from the owners and estates, and we make them available via digital download or on CD through our Classic Radio Club. By joining the Classic Radio Club, you'll receive 10 superior-sounding classic radio shows sent directly to you each month, along with detailed liner notes and photos of the stars. You'll receive your first 10 Classic Radio episodes for only $1, and you can cancel at any time. To learn more about the Classic Radio Club, log on to ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. I'll have another Western episode of The Six Shooter after this short break. Welcome back to the Classic Radio Theater. I'm your host, Carl Amari. This time, Cora Plummer's son believes his stepfather is after the family ranch and money. Here's Cora Plummer Quincy, starring James Stewart as the six shooter from December 27, 1953. In a moment, you'll hear James Stewart as the six shooter. Just one of the many fine programs brought to you Sundays on NBC. Later this evening, listen to the NBC Star Playhouse with one of your favorite stars. Hear Stroke of Fate. Happened if fate had reversed historical facts. And be sure to keep tuned for the dramatic story of Last Man Out. It's a wonderful lineup of great programs, all of them heard only on NBC. James Stewart as the Six Shooter. The man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl. Its handle, unmarked. People call them both the six-shooter. The NBC Radio Network presents James Stewart as the six-shooter, 
a transcribed series of radio dramas based on the life of Britt Ponsett, the Texas plainsman who wandered through the Western territories, leaving behind a trail of still-remembered legends. Sure was coming down that afternoon in Petersville. But it started all of a sudden, too, just after I left Scar at the livery stable and headed up the main street toward Doc Early's office. Yes, sir. Real cloudburst. The wind was from the north and strong enough so that the water was beaten against the building slantwise. And the way the wheel ruts in the street were turning into puddles. Oop. Rain barrels were sloshing over the sides. Well, it was like the whole town had been pushed under a leaky sieve. The closest cover I could spot was the front porch of the Jackson Hotel. So I... ah. Ah, that's better. You know, for a minute, I sort of shook myself off like a half-drowned pup. Then I noticed the young fellow standing beside me. I... Didn't recognize him, though, not at first. Mr. Ponsett? Hmm? You are Britt Ponsett, ain't you? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I wasn't sure till I saw your gun. I guess you don't remember me, Mr. Ponsett. Calvin Plummer? Calvin Plummer? Oh. Oh, I sure remember you, Cal. Say, you really sprung up, haven't you? Why, by George, you're taller than I am. How'd you manage to do so much growing so fast? Oh, I wasn't so fast, Mr. Ponsett been six years since you were in Petersville. Six years? Is that long? Right after my 15th birthday, that's when you left. Six years since I was here, huh? Let's see, that must make you right about 21 years old, isn't it? Yes, sir. Ah, 21. Well, that's a man's age. It's supposed to be. Too bad everybody doesn't realize it. Well, sometimes it takes a while for people to get used to the fact that you've grown up. I guess so. How are your folks? Hmm? Your mom and pa, how are they? Didn't you know, Mr. Ponsett? Pa died last summer. Oh, I... Well, no, I hadn't heard that. I... I'm sorry, Cal. I... I'm awful sorry about that. I... He was a fine man. Yeah. At least I thought so. Well, everybody thought so. You know that. Did they? Well, what do you mean, Cal? Nothing. Looks like it's letting up. You staying in town, Mr. Ponsett? No, just overnight. I kind of twisted my hand while I was branding a calf the other day. The swelling wouldn't go down, so I thought maybe Doc Early ought to have a look at it. If he's still practicing here, is he? Yeah, 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 he's still here. I expect you've been moving around quite a bit, huh, Mr. Ponce? Oh, more than my share, I guess. You ain't never been to a place called Elk Point, have you? Somewhere out in the New Mexico Territory? Oh, yes, yes. I was out there in Elk Point two winters ago, I think it was. What kind of setup is a Quincy Ranch? Would you mind telling me? Quincy? Yeah, it's supposed to be one of the biggest outfits in those parts. Right. You sure it's near Elk Point? Well, ain't it? Well, I don't know. Oh, no, I, I never heard of a Quincy Ranch around there. You certain, Mr. Ponce? Yeah, yeah, of course. That doesn't mean that uh, yeah, there yeah. isn't a... Yeah, I know. Well, goodbye. Say, say hello to your ma for me, Cal. She, she's all right, I trust. Sure. She's fine. Uh, I reckon your fa- father was... Well, it must have hit her pretty hard, huh? 
He had a real fast recovery. What? Ten months ain't very long to mourn, is it? Not even a year. Just ten months. Bye, Mr. Ponson. Cal Plummer had done a lot more than just grow up since the last time I saw him. Man, strange way he was carrying on. I sure couldn't figure out what caused it. And that talk about his mother, like Cora and Ned Plummer, were just about as well suited as any two people I ever met up with. Well, you couldn't even think about one without thinking of the other. They must have been married on close to 35 years. Cal, he was their third child. That's... He was the only one that lived. Gee, Ned sure thought the world of him. Uh, Petersville wouldn't be the same without Ned. Oh, rain had stopped now. It even started to warm up a little. And the mud puddles out in the street were giving off little whiffs of steam. So I went over to Doc Early's office. It was just around the corner from the hotel. Uh, Britt, don't look like you've broke a thing. But it's a real bad sprain. It's one you was even able to ride into town today. Yeah, well, it wasn't any too comfortable, I'll tell you that much. What you been doing for it? Well, it wasn't much could do, Doc, out at the ranch, you know. Yeah, well, some hot water nets and salts might be a little help. I'll put the kettle on and get it warming. It was so darn chilly during all that rain, I built me a little fire in the stove. It's a good thing that ain't your shooting hand, Britt. Well, <laughs> I haven't needed a shooting hand much lately. Yeah, you never know. You never know. No, things look quiet enough around Petersville. Yeah, yeah, they're quiet all right, considering that Sheriff Jay's out of town. Oh? Yeah, he had some business, took him over to the New Mexico Territory. He's checking up on some fella there. Oh. Well, that's kind of a coincidence. What do you mean? Well, I just ran into Cal Plummer on the way up to see you, and he... He was asking me about New Mexico. That wasn't no coincidence, Britt. Why? You see, the reason the sheriff went to Roswell... Well, of course, officially, he's picking up a prisoner. But the reason he went himself instead of sending somebody else is so he can do a little inquiring about Cal's new paw. New... new paw? Well, sure. Cora's married again. Didn't Cal tell you? No. No, he didn't. Well, I guess maybe he was just too ashamed to mention it. Why... Why, why, that doesn't seem possible. Cora Plummer remarried. Oh, we was all mighty surprised. Nobody ever figured she'd look at another man, much less take a new husband. Especially so soon after. Well, it, it was less than a year. Oliver Quincy, that's the fellow's name. Quincy, huh? Well, when did it happen, Doc? Oh, let's see, about a month ago. Maybe five weeks. Five weeks and three days. And it's as plain as day he married her, because she's got a little money. Ned left her a pretty well-fixed ranch and all them cattle. Mm -hmm. well, what about Cal? Oh, he came in some money, too. Enough for a good start in life. And Cal's a hard worker. He'll get along. I feel kind of sorry for him, though. You know, he just worshipped his pa. And Cora getting hitched again, well, it was sort of like a slap in the face to him. Yeah? Uh-oh. Yeah, oh, sounds like that water's boiling. Yeah. Yeah, that ought to be hot enough for you. Now, what, what kind of a man is this Oliver Quincy? Is that his name, yep, Oliver? Yeah, that's his name, all right. Oh, you know the type, Britt. Big fellow, white hair, mustache, always smiling. Now, where'd I put them in some salt? Oh, here we are. A real four-flusher, that's what he is. You can spot him a mile off. Dresses like a dude, uses a lot of fancy words. Move that stuff. <clears throat> now, just, just let me... There. Now, 
Just stick your hand in here. Right in here. All the way, Britt. All the way. Heat's good for spring. Holy smokes, that's hotter than a furnace, Doc. Well, that's what draws out the poison. You'll get used to it in a minute or so. It draws out the what? He claims to have big grants somewhere near Elk Point. Cora says he's worth more than she is. Well, maybe he's got her convinced, but he ain't fooling nobody else. Oh, it... Gee, that's hot. It could be the truth. If know. he's so well off, why are they living on Cora's property? Just answer me that, then. Yeah, yeah I see what you mean. Hmm. Guess that water's cooling off. Maybe I ought to pour in some fresh. Oh, no, no, no. That water's fine, Doc. That's just fine. It doesn't need to be a bit hotter. It was just... And the hand's feeling better already. It's... Yeah, well, you leave it in a little while longer anyhow. Well, it's feeling better. Right. I reckon even Cora will get her eyes opened up when Sheriff Jay comes back from New Mexico. He'll have the truth about Oliver Quincy. Of course, it's going to hurt her some. A woman don't like the idea of finding out she's made a fool of herself. But it'll be better for her to find it out now than later. Well, I just don't see how this concerns the sheriff, Doc. Man who tells a widow woman a batch of lies and finagles around so he can get control of her property, that concerns the sheriff, don't it? Mm. Fellow who well, do that, he I... might do a lot worse, Britt. He might do a whole lot worse. You just mark my word. All right, let's have a look at that hand of yours. Oh, sure, yeah. What? Oh, now, don't let the redness worry you. You ain't scalded. Hmm. Swelling has gone down a mite. Well, I'll just wrap it up real tight, and in a day or so, it'll be good as new. Swear I don't know how I'd get along without Epsom salts. Seems like they're a remedy for almost everything. Put old Lady Murdoch on them last year when her liver was acting up. Four or five doses, and she ain't had a bit of trouble since. Why, she was even at the barn dance last Saturday, carrying on like she didn't have no liver at all. Now, if you'll just hold out your hand, Brett. <laughs> After Doc Early got through with his bandaging, my, my hand did feel a little better. At least some of the throbbing seemed to go away. So I left his office and I wandered over to the hotel. By the time I got there, they were serving supper in the dining room. Not family style either. They had a real fancy layout. You know, separate tables with flowers on them. Two waitresses wearing little checkered aprons sort of matched the tablecloths. Uh, of course, when a place is all fixed up like that, they, uh, they always make it up on you, you know, they... Well, you, you, you can figure on paying a little extra for your food when they have a place. Uh, now, for instance, the steak I ordered, it was going to cost 35 cents. That's what it said on the menu, 35 cents. Well, here you are, mister. Oh, thanks. Oh, I'm... oh, looks like you're going to have trouble cutting it. Uh, What's wrong with your hand? Uh, it's nothing serious. It's just a sprain. I guess maybe I should have ordered something I could spoon through. Well, you want me to slice up the meat for you? No, no. No, no I'll manage. I... Yeah, I just get this thumb out of here. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. I'll be all right. Well, if you want anything, just holler. Oh, thanks. Thanks, miss. I don't know why they give me the toughest steak in the whole kitchen. For 35 cents, you think you'd get a better Howdy, Britt. Oh, hello, Doc. Were you eating here, too, tonight? No, Britt, I was looking for you. For me? Cal Plummer just come riding into town, says his ma's been shot. Been shot? Cora? That's what Cal says. He don't think it's too serious, but I'm going out the ranch now and see what I can do for her. Oh, of course, sure. Cal told me to bring you along. Me? What for? I don't know. He just told me to find you for good and bring you. He did, huh? That's funny. Well, Britt, you coming or not? Well, I sure don't 
see where I figure in this thing, but if Cal wants me, I... Uh, sorry to drag you away from your supper. Oh, that's all right. That's all right, Doc. I, I'm afraid I was fighting a losing battle with that steak anyhow. We'll return to James Stewart as the six-shooter in just a moment. Every day, every one of us Americans has the satisfaction of knowing that right now, we enjoy the highest standard of living in all history. And we've only begun, for it's a fact that our standard of living will rise still higher. And while we've made ourselves stronger economically, we've retained all of our basic freedoms. We work where we choose, we bargain collectively, contract our own affairs, and profit from our inventiveness and enterprise. That's the American economic system, and I'm for it. I'm sure you are, too. So let's keep things that way, friends, all of us. Now, Act Two of The Six Shooter. Starring James Stewart as Britt Ponsett. The Plummer Ranch was about half our ride east of Petersville. Real big outfit, too. Maybe, oh, 50 square miles of grazing land and all. The main ranch house just off the road was built to size. You know, two stories tall with giant big windows facing out. I remember hearing folks tell how Ned Plummer had to send all the way up to Chicago to get glass big enough for those windows. There was a couple of lamps burning somewhere on the first floor. You could see the little lights spilling through the draperies, you know. The rest of the place was dark. Whoa, Scar. Whoa. Whoa, boy. Boy. And we left our horses in the yard, Doc and I. And he, he grabbed his satchel with the medical instruments, and we walked up to the carved mahogany door, the front door. Just a minute, just a minute. Yes? Oh, Doc Early. Evening. Uh, just what can I do for you, Doctor? Well, Cal said that Ms. Plummer... Uh, I mean that Ms. Quincy, your, your wife, that she was hurt somehow. Oh, I see. Well, it's nothing serious, just a scratch. Uh, my gun went off accidentally. Bullet grazed her shoulder. But Cora's perfectly all right now. As a matter of fact, I think she's already gone to bed. What is it, Oliver? Sounds to me like she's still up. Well, I, I guess I was mistaken. Yeah. Oliver? Uh, it's a doctor, dear, and, uh, uh... My name's Ponsett. Britt Ponsett. Britt Ponsett? That's right. That's right, Mr. Quincy. Well, I suppose you might as well come in, doctor. Uh, Mr. Ponsett? Hi, you. It's this way. I, I told him it was only a scratch, dear. But as long as Dr. Early rode way out here, I suppose you might as well have a look at you. Just be on the safe side. Hello, Cora. Britt. Why, what are you doing in Petersville? When did you get into town? This afternoon. Didn't Cal tell you? Oh, I don't know. It must have slipped his mind. Good evening, Cora. Let me see here. Now, Doc, you shouldn't be troubling over me. I'm all right, really. Well, of course you are, my dear. Of course you are. Yeah. Bullet barely grazed his skin. Mm. Uh, 
I'm afraid the good doctor doesn't approve of my bandage. No, no, no. It's perfectly satisfactory. At least it appears to be. I'd like to take it off, though. Make certain there's no danger of infection. You mind stepping in the other room, Cora? Well, I... Uh, go ahead, my dear. Go ahead. I'll... I'll see you before you leave, Britt. No, sure. I'll wait around till the dog finishes up. <clears throat> nice of you to ride out to the doctor early, Mr. Ponsett. Uh, Imagine he appreciates having the company. Mm, well, it wasn't his idea, Mr. Quincy. Oh? No, I, Cal asked him to bring me along. I'm afraid I, I, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Well, I reckon that makes us even. Uh, whereabouts is he, anyway? Calvin? Uh, well, I don't know. He, he hasn't been here all evening. Mm, he wasn't around when the shooting took place. It, it was not a shooting, Mr. Ponsett. It was an accident. Well, whatever it was. And I... Calvin was not here. I met up with him while I was riding into town to get the doctor, and he offered to save me the trip. Oh, uh, I guess I was under the impression you said Cora didn't need a doctor. I no, think. she doesn't. Uh, but at first, I, I didn't know how serious the wound might be. Then when I got back to the house, I saw it didn't amount to anything. Uh-huh. And by the time you and Dr. Early showed up, I'd forgotten the whole thing. That's why I was surprised to see you. For a moment, I couldn't think what you wanted. Your, your gun just happened to go off, huh? I, I was going to clean it. I thought it was empty. I guess I don't know too much about firearms. What make do you carry? Uh, why... He doesn't uh, carry any make. But I do. I hadn't seen Cal come into the front hall, so I didn't know how long he'd been standing there. He was holding a forty-five, using it to cover his stepfather. The gun wasn't moving either. Cal's hand was as steady as his eyes. Steady and cold and determined. It wasn't the first time I'd seen a man with a look like that on his face. Now, not a killer's look exactly. At least, not the look of somebody who wants to kill. More like somebody who hasn't got any choice. I was wondering how you'd lie out of it, Quincy. What kind of story you'd tell... You weren't very convincing either, considering all the practice you've had. Calvin, listen to me. I know how you feel. You haven't got the slightest notion how I feel. If you did, you'd have left town like I told you a couple of hours ago. No, take it easy, Cal. I gave him warning, Britt. I gave him fair warning. I said I'd kill him if he didn't get out and stay out for good. Uh, I don't know what it is he's got against me, Mr. Ponsett. I, I suppose I don't measure up to his Measure father, up but... to him? I ought to kill you for even comparing yourself. Well, are you going or not, Quincy? Because if you're not, it's time I ain't here to get in the way. Well, was that what happened before? Is that how she got shot up? It was his fault. He's got her so mixed up, she doesn't see anything straight. She thinks he's fond of her, the way she is of him. When she saw the gun, she ran forward, yelling and screaming. The way she grabbed my hand, that's what made it go off. I never meant to fire. Least of all, I never meant to hit Ma. But your Ma's all right, Calvin. The bullet hardly touched her. I don't believe... Is that true, Mr. Punch? That's right, Cal. Cora's fine. Doc Early's in there now, just making certain. All right, Quincy. Start moving before she comes back. Now, now, hold on. Hold on a minute here now. This, this isn't any way to settle things. He's your mother's husband. She's got a right to know what's going on. You think I want her to know what a liar he is? That he never cared for? You think I want to break her heart? Well, what are you talking about, Calvin? I never lied to Cora, never in my life. Then where's that big ranch you're supposed to own and all the money you're supposed to have? What? Tell Mr. Ponsett about your holdings. He's been to Elk Point, and there ain't no Quincy Ranch. Oh, you're not making any sense, Calvin. 
I ain't gonna stand around here arguing. Uh, put that away, Cal. Not until he leaves. He gives me his word he won't be back. And if he don't keep his word... Cal? You don't figure in this, Mr. Plancet. You got me out here. It was my idea. Well, nobody's keeping you. This bandage isn't on my gun hand, Cal. He's got you fooled into being on his side, too. I didn't say that. Look, ain't there nobody that sees him for what he really is? All he's trying to do is to get his hands on what my father left. Dad worked hard. All his life he worked hard. And when he was dying, he told me to look after Ma. Told me it was my job. Well, I'm going to do my job, Mr. Ponson. And nobody's going... You've made enough trouble for one night. I'm sorry, Ma. Didn't want you to be here. Didn't want you to find out. Find out what? My son's turned into a lunatic? I'm only doing it for you, Ma. For me? You think you're helping me by carrying on like this? I've got my own life to live, Calvin. You've got to let me live it as I see best. Ma, Ma, he's no good. I was trying to get him to leave before Sheriff Jay comes back from Roswell. Before the whole thing came out. Well, I guess it's too late now. I guess you'll have to know. Know what? He hasn't got a ranch. He ain't got any money. Oh. If you don't believe me, ask Rip Ponsett. He only married you because of what Pa left you. No, no. All I said that I didn't know of any Quincy Ranch near Elk Point. That's all I said. I, I haven't been around there for a couple of years. Maybe by now. Well, there ain't no something. such ranch now either. Is there, Quincy? Well, no, no, of course not. There but... you see, Ma. Calvin, listen to me. He's admitting it, Ma. Why don't you face facts? Everybody else has been on to him. Everybody but you. It's all my fault. I should have told you in the first place. I know that Oliver isn't rich. I never thought he was. You... You never thought... Ma? <laughs> well, maybe Doc and I'd better get no. going, huh? No, I'd like you to stay, Brent. Calvin is right about one thing, though. I've been making a fool of myself. What's worse... I've been making a fool of Oliver, too. Now, Cora... You see, Calvin, I've known Oliver for a long time. Your father and I, well, we were all friends back in Kansas. All three of us. Of course, that was before I married your dad. You've known each other all these years? Once, Oliver asked me to marry him. But I chose your father. And I've never been sorry I made that choice. I guess you know that, Ollie. Well, sure, sure, Cora. But after Ned died, well, it was like part of me had died, too. And I felt all hollow and useless, lonesome. It's not a very romantic way of putting it. Lonesome, but that's how I felt. Like I couldn't go on by myself. Oh, you did your best, son, to keep me from thinking about your father and about myself. But it wasn't enough. And I kept remembering what your father said when he first took sick and he knew he wasn't going to get well. He said he'd take it as a compliment if I was to marry again, that it would mean our marriage had been a good one. But more than that, I think... He knew I wasn't the kind to live alone. Oh, Ma. 
So I wrote to Oliver, asked him to come out to Petersville just for a visit. And then, well, us getting married was my idea. Your idea, Cora? Ollie was afraid of what folks would think. Me having this ranch and him not worth very much. He's afraid they'd get the idea he was marrying me because of my money. So I told everybody that he had a ranch of his own, even bigger than mine. Why, Cora? Oh, I was just trying to make it easier on him, Britt, so he wouldn't be embarrassed, uncomfortable. Of course... Oliver didn't know what I was up to. You shouldn't have done it, Cora. I'm sorry, Ollie. But I'm not sorry I married you. Oh, my. You got to understand, Calvin. It's true. I'm an old lady and a foolish one. And it's true I don't feel the same way toward Oliver that I felt toward your father. You only feel that once in a lifetime. And some folks aren't even that lucky. But it's better for me not to be alone the time that's left. I... I think it's better for Oliver, too. You should have told me, Ma. Yes. Yes, I see that now. But I wasn't sure how you'd take it. Too bad you were dragged into this, Britt. You and Doc, but I wanted you to hear it all before you left. Sure, Cora. You knew Ned. You were a good friend of his. He thought a lot of you. Oh, I sure hope so. Oh, what would he think? How would he feel about my marrying again? Oh, it's pretty hard to speak for somebody else, Cora. But Ned loved you. That was plain to everybody, so I guess he'd want you to be happy and content. That's, uh, that's what Ned would want. Thanks, Britt. Uh, well, Doc, hey, it's about time we're getting back to town, isn't it? After that, I guess Cal and Oliver started hitting it off real well. Anyway, the last time I was through Petersville, folks were all talking about how much Oliver Quincy had done for the Plummer Ranch. Practically doubled the size of the herd, and now he was building a house down on the south pasture for Cal to live in when he got married. As for Sheriff Jay's story about Oliver not owning any property around Elk Point, well, the people just wouldn't believe that, that's all. The sheriff just hadn't done enough checking, that's all man like Oliver Quincy, why, he just had to be rich. He was written all over it. The Six Shooter is a transcribed NBC Radio Network production in association with Review Productions. It is based on a character created by Frank Burt and is written by him. Mr. Stewart may soon be seen in the Universal International picture, The Glenn Miller Story. Others in the cast were Virginia Gregg and Jean Tatum, Robert Griffin, Parley Bear, and Bert Holland. Special music for this program was by Basil Adlam, and the entire production is under the direction of Jack Johnstone. All characters and incidents were fictitious, and any resemblance to actual characters or incidents is purely coincidental. This is Hal Gibney speaking.
Tonight, hear Margaret O'Brien in the NBC Star Playhouse on the NBC Radio Network. And that's The Six Shooter with Cora Plummer Quincy, starring James Stewart, from December 27, 1953. Also in the cast, Virginia Gregg, Gene Tatum, Parley Bear, Robert Griffin, and Burt Holland, with Hal Gibney announcing, as heard over NBC. Stick around, I'll give you our lineup for episode 53 of the Classic Radio Theater after this short break. Next time on episode 53 of the Classic Radio Theater brought to you by the Bradford Exchange, we'll hear two drama episodes of Night Beat starring Frank Lovejoy, so don't miss it. To reach me and to learn more about the Classic Radio Club, visit ClassicRadioClub.com. Be sure to tune us in next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>